welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan here with Matthew Statler. And we are back again, continuing on in our series of faithfulness in the workplace, which, you know, Matt, I've been, I was really impressed with how the last one went with Mike Griffin. It sure was a, a blessing, especially, you know, having a, a law enforcement officer kind of give us perspective and how, how it's unique and kind of made me realize how with every vocation that we engage in as believers, although it may be unique, some of the principles for how we conduct ourselves in godliness and in righteousness, you know, remain the same. I think about like Colossians 3, 17, that says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. And so, man, I, I think it, it, that's probably the best text to kind of encapsulate what we're trying to capture um, in this series is we want to show people, we want to encourage people that um, in everything, whatever we do in word and in work, indeed, uh, we're to do it to the glory of God. And, and we can do that even working in the public square, you know, you know, so Neil, Matt, yeah. This is it. a well. Is it, uh, it's a pretty Protestant formulation. This idea of vocation, um, yeah. of calling, and so you know, a lot of the reformers really emphasize that we do everything to the glory of God, that we do our jobs to the glory of God, and um, I think it was Luther who said, "We're we don't a shoemaker doesn't do everything to the glory of God by putting little crosses on all the shoes." Right. He says a shoemaker gives glory to God by being an excellent shoemaker, right? Mm. He's like, you give glory to God by being excellent in your work. And um, I think we're seeing that in some of these interviews is coming out is that, that these men are, are excellent in their fields, but at the same time, they're able to give glory to God by pointing to the, the original creator, the creator of, of life. Um, right. And that's why I'm kind of excited to have this our guest on today um neil yeah so this week we're blessed because we have russell porterfield with us um russell's uh, one of the members in our church at christ community church in harker heights next to fort hood but russell man he works in the in the public square for sure russell um why don't you kind of give us a, a picture of what you do um currently and Man, how many people you're kind of in charge of? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, yeah, so I um, am the principal at the Clean ISD Career Center. Um, it's a really unique school. We have right around 1,500 students that come spend, um, most of them, half their day with us. Um, so students go to one of the more traditional uh, schools in Clean ISD, um, and they come out and take their advanced CT programming either in the morning or the afternoon um, at the career center. So, so essentially these students are, you know, finishing out their high school, their time in high school. But um, in addition to that, they're kind of in a unique opportunity where they can select a field to get their Yeah, so we have um, over 30 different programs of study. Um, so 
Um, some of the things you might think about that are traditionally vocational, like welding or cosmetology, but we also have uh, multiple health science certifications that students can earn, um, audio video productions, uh, and things like that. And so it's, uh, it's a really great opportunity to say, you know, uh, there's dignity in all work. And a lot of our students are going to go on from the career center um, and go to college or to some sort of technical training. Um, but many of our students are going to take the industry credentials they earn at the career center and go right into the workforce. Um, and so we're just super excited to be able to support um, all the different avenues of, of work for students in their future. Man, what a needed um, vocation. When, uh, when, when you do this, what would be some of the challenges that you as a principal uh, experience uh, leading this, guiding this, um, and going in a direction of, of creating a culture. Um, you know, there's a lot of leadership gurus out there that talk about culture and how culture eats habits for breakfast or something. I can't remember exactly the saying, but um, you're developing a culture there. What, what would be some of the challenges you experience? So we have some... I think not so much challenges, but some really great opportunities to um, work together. So because of the nature of our campus, we get to work with four other uh, principals, four other teams leading their schools um, and partner closely with them. Um, and it's just a really, it's a really great opportunity to kind of be a bridge between different campuses and, and kind of a way and um, help all of the students in um, campuses and support them as well. Um, but when you're thinking about culture specifically at our campus, I think we try to focus on, um, you know, kind of what we're there for, I guess, basically, which is getting students ready for what's next in life. Uh, we talk about having students be prepared and competitive uh, for their future um, and have a huge emphasis on that. And I think the other um, thing that many of our campuses do, and, and we're no exception, is um, focus on core values. And so we have six different core values at the Career Center we focus on with our students and and try to really um, build that into them um, because we recognize that, that the academic and technical training they're getting is great, um, but if they don't have um, the behavioral traits that uh, go along with that, that support that, uh, such as responsibility and integrity, which are a couple of our core values, then they're not going to be successful um, in their future long-term. So would you say that you're building character as well as vocational skills? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's several of the things that we focus on. Um, we do it from a, a number of different ways. Um, our teachers definitely lead that in the classroom. Um, we have um, some campus-wide points of emphasis on it. Um, we bring in guest speakers um, and do several different things um, to try to promote um, students gaining that positive mindset and positive habits, um, positive character traits that are going to help them be successful um, down the long road. As a, as a Christian, you have your own set of characteristics and core values. How does that play into uh, work in general and maybe in, and then specifically for you? 
So thinking about work in general, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really blessed that the core values that we have that were adopted when I started working at the career center, um, I was just able to kind of jump on with those. Um, None of them are not in alignment with what um, a Christian would believe. Um, And so it's really easy to support those and, and, and lead our, our staff and kids in that direction. Um, And then I guess, uh, Matt, correct me if I'm not answering kind of what you're going for here, but, you know, personally just displaying the, the fruits of the spirit um, and the love of Christ to those around me is kind of what I try to focus on um, beyond that, I guess. So Russell, I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting. You kind of have this, almost this, uh, this bridge, if you will, um, between, you know, some Christian principles and in the public space and, you know, in addition to how you're shaping minds and characters and teachers' minds and characters, right? Leading them in that direction. Um, there's also something really important in leadership, which is modeling, right? Um, because if we're leaders who don't model the things we're trying to impart, then, uh, you know, essentially we're hypocrites and all of our counsel is null and void, right? Yeah, sure. So kind of just walk us through just for a minute, like in your daily rhythms, um, what does it look like to model these things? And like, how do your, do your team like, no, Hey, yeah. Russell, he's a Christian, right? He, uh, he loves Jesus and man, he, he treats us well. Like where do they, do they know where that comes from and you, and how do you navigate that even in the public space as, as a public school principal, like that's extremely difficult, especially in today's society. Yeah. So, um, I think the, the biggest thing that, that you try to do, um, is value people, right? Um, I don't care if you're the custodian, the cafeteria worker, or the superintendent of our school system, like, right, I, I should, I should look you in the eye. I should know who you are. I should value you as a person and engage in, in that kind of way. And I think that's one of the biggest things, um, that I try to do. And, um, and I, I don't know that it's so much because I'm in a position of leadership, but it's just because they're all image bearers of God and no one is more valuable in his sight than the other from that standpoint, whereas we would, um, we might view it differently, uh, from a, an American society standpoint. So, um, you know, checking on your people, you know, we got people out sick, dealing with different things and taking care of them, just doing, doing the right thing by people, I think is kind of where I try to focus that. That makes sense. Mm. No, that totally makes sense. Especially, you know, when when you're operating from a Christian worldview, right? Like when we look at people, we're looking at image bearers. And so that's a unique perspective that the Christian has versus the rest of the world, um, which because they're, we're creating the image of God, they warrant dignity and respect. Right. And so, you know, as a believer, when we uh, model that, when we, when we continue in that viewpoint, um, man, that makes, that, that kind of changes the way, pe- the way people, uh, respond, right. Um, to you, especially in conflict, um, 
I would just, I'm just curious right now is how has, you know, treating people with dignity and respect and, and as image bearers, how's that affected just the overall culture on the campus? Like, cause I know KISD doesn't get exactly a good, you know, uh, rap for, uh, how, how they deal with conflict. Right. Especially on the student level. Yes. So, man, it's, um, it's hard, right? Because it, it depends on the situation, right? So if you're talking to people that you get to build a relationship with and you've had a lot of time with, um, you know, they receive things in a, in a whole lot different manner. So parents that have had kids on our campus for multiple years, um, students that have been there for multiple years, um, and then our staff, of course, um, that's a different relationship. And when you're talking about 1,400 people and, you know, six or 700 of them are new this year, maybe, or 500 of them, um, that's a different um, situation, right? So you're having to build that relationship. Mm. And so, um, you know, I think the, the thing there when you're dealing with conflict is you just, you know, what, what I try to model, what I try to have our team do is that, that we stay calm, right? And we just try to help the person um, address their situation, recognizing that when somebody's upset about something, they may be acting like they're mad at us, but they're probably really not, right? It's probably something else that they're they're upset about. And, and then really our job is to figure out what that is and how we can help them. Um, and we're not going to be um, a doormat and let somebody uh, be abusive or extremely ugly towards us either. But uh, beyond that, um, you know, it's really just about uh, helping them. And, and most of the folks, I think, when they recognize that you do truly care, you are truly listening. Um, and you are actually responding and following up with their concerns, um, you're able to build a pretty positive relationship with most folks, not everybody, because not everybody gets what they want. And um, sometimes that's, that's all they're really looking for is what they want, not somebody trying to make an effort. So it's not perfect, but that's, that's what we try to do. Would you say um, in your, your experience there that you've had to ask for forgiveness um, often? Have you made mistakes? Uh, yes, sir. For sure. Um, <laughs> and and, and yeah. the, the, what I'm trying to get at is um, from a Christian worldview, we've been given much grace. And so we ask for, for you know, we ask for forgiveness often. And I find it in a, in a secular workplace, it takes people, maybe puts them off guard when you go to them and you say, hey, I really messed up and I apologize. Um, whereas they're expecting you to, to double down or to push. Do you find yourself um, throwing people off guard with a uh, humble attitude versus maybe a more um, pride-centered attitude? Um, I don't know if, if I'm, I'm really throwing people off guard, but I think it's definitely appreciated when, you know, I mess something up, I say, I'm sorry. Or, you know, even with a parent, um, a lot of times, you know, just as the building leader, stuff's not technically like, I'm not the one that actually messed specifically messed something up, but right. it's all under my area of responsibility. So I often will apologize for the mistake of something that took place on our campus, whether I was specifically responsible for it or not, just because ultimately it is my responsibility. Right. And yeah. so I think that can be rather disarming. Um, cause I mean, 
I'm fallible. The people that I work with are fallible. Um, other students are fallible. And so I recognize that, you know, people yeah. are, people are messing up and making mistakes. Um, and we, we have to own that and, and then try to work forward to do a better job and not let that, that kind of thing happen again. Absolutely. Um, so one of the, one of the other questions I kind of had is how do you prepare yourself for work as a Christian? Um, what are you, maybe some of your daily habits or routines that you, that you use or use or implement to kind of be ready to be Christ-centered in a, in a secular or self-centered kind of world? What are some of the things that you personally uh, do for your own spiritual walk? Sure. Uh, so I typically uh, like to get up in the morning before everybody else does in my house and um, gives me an opportunity to drink a cup of coffee, but also have, have some quiet time and, um, you know, do some Bible reading and, and prayer. And, um, you know, when you're praying for folks, it's definitely easier to be in tune with what's going on with them. Um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like God seems to give me a window into what's going on in their world more when I'm, when I'm praying for them, I find when I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what's going on with people. I probably need to start praying with praying for them. Um, and, uh, typically, comes to fruition. And then I also like to try to, um, uh, to exercise most mornings and, uh, typically some upbeat Christian music. So I'm kind of getting a little bit of worship time in at the, at the same time. And, and so taking care of myself and, and all aspects of that, um, uh, really, really seems to help out and help me have a positive uh, mindset as I go into the day. I, li- I like a lot how you said you, uh, you know, you pray for the different people and then especially those that, are struggling or you have a conflict with or, or something like that. I, I think that's such a, a key aspect that, that we miss, I think in, in most of our, our lives is these are great opportunities to show other people uh, who Christ is, especially in conflict. And um, it's, it's so rare. I think in, in our, just in a common secular line of work, to see people thinking in that term rather than I want to get my way versus I want to get, go God's way um, and resolve this in a, in a Christ honoring way. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Ephesians four thirty two, where, you know, Paul tells us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave us. Right. And uh, you know, you just send leadership in general, I think uh, you're right, Matt, man, we neglect often praying for the people that God has entrusted to us. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure Russell, you, you can say like, there's probably been periods of your time of your career where that hasn't been a practice. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think, you know, I think when you're not, um, when you're not in those habits of of praying and, and coming to uh, coming to God with what's going on, it's um, it's really easy to get caught up in the 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 fruits that are not the fruits of the spirit, right? right? Totally. You start getting focused on yourself, and you start getting focused on um, you know the American dream, so to speak, or different things, and yeah. Um, that's, that's not the self I like the most. So definitely, <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely don't want to do that. And, um, 
Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, yeah. like that's our first step towards kindness. You know, if you think about it, if I'm a leader and I have these people have been given to me, um, but man, I just let bitterness reign in my heart over whether they're not doing as great of a job or um, maybe they're in, in the break room behind my back, you know, or whatever else. But when we're actively praying for folks, um, man, that's a kindness. That's a that keeps your heart from hardening towards them, right? Um, so I would say that it, it maintains a tender-hearted spirit within us, and uh, and really that comes from the fruit of you know meditating on the undeserved grace we've received in Christ. And so, man, I can just imagine Russell like being a teacher maybe new to clean this transient community right and uh that that funnels in and out uh different educators all the time and coming to work for someone who is uh who treats me with respect and dignity who prays for me you know like i know there's something different about you know russell but i <laughs> but I just sure appreciate the, the overall dynamic of which of my workplace and uh, you know, that ripple effect then affects students, right? It has to um, because when a, when a teacher is being treated um, in such a manner of which they feel valued and respected, um, they in turn usually go and treat others in the, in a similar um, manner, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Coleman, uh, he wrote a book called the master plan of evangelism and that's a hilarious title, but he talks a lot about the power of association, right? And how the disciples just being associated and around Jesus, you know, it changed them. Like the way they went out was drastically different, um, because Jesus spent time with them. And I think, I think the principle is, is the same in the context of, of leading, right? So for you, you're, you're with your people, um, you treat them a certain way, you conduct yourself in a certain manner, you pursue excellence as you expect them to, right? And uh, man, that, that's got to have some sort of impact um, from just being associated with, with you or with other educators like you. Would you say that? that's been kind of your experience? Well, I think it's, I think it's really helpful that, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to get to work with a really talented team of, of administrators and teachers and counselors. Um, uh, many, many of whom um, are, are believers. Um, but also I think, um, you know, when you're fortunate enough, um, like, like we've been over the last uh, several years since I've been at the career center, have a really positive culture for the most part. Um, you know, I think that really plays dividends when, when teachers are positive and encouraging because they're po being positively encouraged. Um, then, then it helps out with the kids, right? Then they're getting somebody that um, feels valued and respected um, for their professional contribution. Um, they're able to um, affect the kid's life in a much more positive manner. Um, you know, when their when their needs and, and, and respect is is taking place for them. Yeah. Could you just, you know, for our listeners, um, 
I, I think people take personally, I think people take teachers for granted <laughs> often. Um, my mom and spent her entire career as an educator. My wife's both her stepmom and mother did the same thing. And uh, it's, it's often a thankless job, right? But what are some of the unique challenges educators face that you can, uh, that you've perceived or experienced yourself? Sure. Um, yeah. So you, um, you have many teachers are teaching 150 or 180 or more students every day at the, at the secondary level. Um, many of the teachers on our campus aren't because of the nature of what they're teaching, how many block classes they have, but, um, that's a, that's a lot of kids that you got to get to know and build a relationship with because you know, kids, kids aren't going to, many kids are not going to do work for you because they love English, right? Like, um, <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a big, I'm, I'm not going to go crap, crap, open, crack open some Shakespeare and just read it just for the fun of it more than likely. That's not my, my cup of tea, but my, my freshman English teacher, I really valued and respected him. So I, I did my best because of, of who he was, right? And so um, our teachers are, are faced with the same thing. It's a lot of different people that they are doing that with and, and a lot of different abilities, right? So um, you've got some students that are still learning how to speak English. You have other students that are just, you know, maybe struggle at learning a little bit. You got other kids that it comes to really easy and they're all in the same place, right? And you've got to, you've got to develop a lesson that is meaningful and, and uh purposeful for all of those kids at the same time and then if you assign them some work and they turn it in and then you got to turn around and grade it all and give them feedback so they know what they're doing they can grow and, and none of that happens quickly and um, teachers have uh, a 45 minute conference period a day to, to do that but they're often called to meetings during that 45 minute conference period and um, so there's a lot of, of work that goes in on the preparation and the grading um, teachers typically are doing that on the nights and weekends because they, they don't have time during the school day to do that. And so it's a, it's a pretty um, all encompassing job from a work standpoint, if you're, if you're really putting your heart and soul into it. Uh, and it's also extremely emotionally and mentally taxing too, because you're, I said, you're, you're trying to figure out how do I, how to make this work for this kid, but also this kid over here. And this kid didn't eat yesterday. Um, and he just told me about it because nobody, else in there, you know, is able to provide that care for them and they trust me. And so they're telling me about it. So I'm trying to meet this need, but then I've got this other kid that didn't sleep last night because of whatever happened. Um, and you know, the kid teachers love the kids. And so, um, it's quite the wear and tear on, on somebody. And so very thankful they have a, a summer break and some holidays because man, from a, a mental and emotional standpoint, those things are needed. Oh, totally. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I was just reading this article today, Russell, and it was talking about, you know, where church growth dynamics, you know, <laughs> and uh, it was saying, you know, on average, a pastor can sh actively shepherd no more than 150 people, you know, and like, I think about my training, right? My training is to shepherd people, to pastor people, and what you just described to me sounded a lot like pastoring, you know, to a degree, um, but, but all young minds, right? Like you're called to care for mm -hmm. and tend to uh, 
what you described 150 students almost on average um and and then to try and invest in them in such a way that you've gathered um, trust and respect and you know them and what their needs are and then you have to develop everything around i mean that's that's wild man and uh it takes it it takes a toll on you and your heart and so i can just think like man like how would you if you had a new teacher new high school teacher right say ninth grade math right and you sit them down what would what would you say to this teacher as their principal how would you encourage them Sure. So I think um, kind of to, to y'all's point earlier, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, trying to be excellent at what you do and just being prepared every day is so important um, because you can, you can deal with the surprises when you're prepared for what was supposed to happen a whole lot easier than you, you could otherwise. Um, and then, um, you know, I think also talking to them about loving on the kids and building a relationship with them uh, and also recognizing and this is a, you know, the, the year is a long year. Um, and so pacing yourself and knowing that we're all here to help you. Um, there's, there's a lot of people on our team, other teachers that teach the same subject area, um, administrators, um, instructional specialists and the like that would be there to um, assist in any way possible. Um, and then we, we actually, the whole school district does a pretty good job, I believe, of uh, we have a mentoring program. Mm -hmm. So if you're a new teacher, you actually get partnered with a veteran teacher um, there is actually a whole series of meetings and, and um, observations and co-observations and things like that to take place with that mentor teacher to help make sure that you're getting um, the support you need in addition to the administrative and instructional specialist support. So, um, and just making sure that they knew that we were here for them and what resources were available to help them because it's hard. Um, it's, it's a, it's a hard profession. I think the average right now guys is, um, three to five years and, wow. and folks are gone from the profession. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're actually putting out less teachers in the teacher prep programs today, um, than they were 20 years ago. And, and our population is not dwindling. It is, it is definitely growing. We need more teachers. Um, so, you know, taking care of our, our new folks is extremely important to us. Mm. So you said, um, be excellent, strive to be excellent, pace yourself, get rest, right? Be prepared, know that mm -hmm. you have a team who has your back and will support you in any which way we can. Um, man, those are like four incredible ways to lead and to encourage someone new in a very difficult field. Um, now, if you could sit down a student, ninth grader, right? and uh say anything to them and take off the i'm a teacher hat like i'm just a christian man and i want to tell you something what would you say yeah so you know Neil, i think i would i would really focus them on the fact that right now school school is their job right um and so uh, that's definitely what i do with my two kids um, that are that are high school age, and um, you need to work at that with excellence under the Lord. Uh, kind of going back to the Colossians verse you were you were referencing earlier, and um, 
and, and then beyond that, I, I would talk to them about, you know, the importance of developing the um, academic skills to be successful, whether they wanted to go to college or not, right? Um, and, and the reason I say that is because technology is changing um, the workplace so much that, um, you know, we've got a lot of kids that, um, you know, maybe uh, academics is not their forte or the thing they enjoy the most, but, and it is so important to be able to continue to learn um, regardless of what your profession is, because it's changing uh, more than likely um, and will continue to change. Um, and then I would just encourage them to, um, you know, try to figure out how they're going to make a difference in the world. Like, what is, what is it that you feel like, you know, you are being led to do um, or if I'm not working at school, if I'm talking to a kid at church, you know, what, what is it God is calling you to do um, that's going to make a difference in our world? And then what can you do now to prepare yourself to be there um, and be ready for that when, when you're put into that position? Um, and then I think beyond, beyond that, just getting them to begin to think about how do I go from where I'm at today to where I want to be at tomorrow um, in bite-sized chunks that a, that a 14 year old can digest. Right. Sure. Mm, that's great. So some perspective one recognizing that God is calling you to something for his glory. Right. And they're good. And how mm -hmm. do you begin to take those steps towards that direction? Um Man, that's, that's great. And I, and you know, I think a lot of times, especially kids, <laughs> you ask the average 14 year, I was talking to Tommy Hughes, uh, Matt, Tommy's in our, another member of our church, but he actually works, um, under Russell at the career center and Tommy's, uh, teaches accounting, right? Is that correct? Russell? He teaches some business classes for us. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. taught accounting in the past. I think this year he's uh, teaching straight business classes, but yeah. Yeah, so Tom, some Thomas said he had them write like an essay on where they want to go, what they want to do with their lives, and you know, a bunch of them are like basketball player, you know, like um, something that's mm -hmm. probably not going to um, happen, especially when you're five foot two and you're a white boy, you know, like uh, that. That was my dream, you know, they got crushed, um, but um, but you know. Tommy just kind of slowed down and, and was just telling me how he was trying to talk with some of these kids through, through processing some of that with realities and, and gifting. And, and I, what I could pick up was um, a good teacher because they're invested in their students is able to identify the gifts of that student. They see them. Right. And then they can encourage them towards, mm -hmm those things. And, uh, whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please God, like second Corinthians five, nine says, or, you know, Colossians three seventeen work, uh, word and deed, right. Are meant to be uh, given to glory, um, or to glorify God with. And, you know, that's an incredible way we can shape young minds is to see that they're not, there, there, it's a, a more of a transcendent perspective, right? There's this eternal, eternal eternity that matters, and what we do today actually matters eternally. And and uh, 
and that begins whether we're 14 or 27 or 48, right? Uh, we're shaping a legacy the minute we breathe in breath and breathe it back out again. And uh, you were created to glorify God with all that you do. And so, man, I just appreciate you, Russell, very much uh, for taking the time out to uh, chat with Matt and I tonight. And, and also just, man, what you're doing um, as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, uh, how you treat people. I mean, I've never come across somebody, and I'm not trying to just blow smoke up you, man, but I've never come across anybody who knows you who hasn't had just wonderful things to say about you. And that says a lot about your love for Jesus ultimately, because that is reflected onto others. And so, man, we appreciate the uh, legacies you are shaping and impacting uh, on the educational level very much. So my friend. Yeah, I really appreciate it as well, Russell. Um, you know, as a parent, I gained a lot of insight from some of the stuff you said that I think is applicable to anyone who is listening. Uh, one is, is our vocation or our calling or, or even our academics is shaping us in some way, shape or form. And so when we look at our goal, what are the small steps? It's the daily steps that we take um, that get us to that goal. And, um, you know, for a student, my son struggles in some areas of schooling. And I, I like how you said, this is your job right now. And you need to look at it like that you are called to this. And so put in the effort uh, now, you know, as much as you can see, he's only nine. So we can only talk, you know, in Minecraft terminology, but but anyways, that, but that, but that's that's encouraging, I think, and and really how how that mentality, recognizing that all we do is for the glory of God, and um, from what Neil tells me and what I've been hearing from you is um, that is very much your heart is to to do things to the glory of God, and um, I'm I'm really encouraged to hear about your care for other teachers. I know teaching is um, not an easy job, and and many people burn out uh, very quickly. And so I, I, I love that you have that mentorship program. Uh, what a blessing that is for those teachers. Well, thank you all so much for having me on tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure to get to, to visit with you all. Well, I think that's all we have time for tonight. I'd say so, Matt. And uh, Again, Russell, we thank you for your leadership. If you're an educator who's out there and man, you're feeling just, you know, discouraged and, and man, just on the struggle bus, know that number one, you're not alone. And number two, you, man, you have value. And um, whether you feel that from the people you're serving, um, the Lord himself has placed his image within you. And man, that has value. And there are, there are, uh, other teachers, principals who love Jesus and love you because God has called them to, and they will walk with you. You know, um, I can, I I've heard so many horror stories from Colleen ISD in general, which is a big, big district. Um, but I've also just in, in our church had the privilege of pastoring several Colleen ISD educators and just hearing about the gospel work that's taking place on the ground with students in the public square man it is something to behold and to get inspired by 
And so if you're out there and you're a believer and you've been, you just been uh, feeling, feeling uh, chewed up and spent out, no. Um, and the Lord has more for you. Take a breath. His mercies are new each day and you're not alone. So please, if you have any questions or want to reach out to us on the podcast, we encourage you to comment, subscribe, and leave us an honest review. And we'll get back to you uh, as quickly as we can. Neil, Matt, and Russell, we out.